With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Welcome back, everybody. It's the Fantasy Pros Dynasty Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Bogman. Follow me on the Twitter at Bogman Sports. I'm joined, as always, by my good buddy, Pat Fitzmorris, at Fitz underscore FF on the Twitter machine. Fitzy, today we're going to be talking about some uh, sell-high players. I think for you physically, you might have been a sell-high before the Fantasy Expo. Uh, <laughs> now, today, uh, you know, maybe maybe we're sitting on bottom rung here. Uh, you told me you're still recovering, but you had a great time and uh, happy to hear it. You met some of our uh, buddies that we talked to on our Discord and uh, just seemed like you had an awesome time there, my friend. Yeah, it was great, Boggs. Uh, Canton, Ohio, very underrated little small town in the heart of America. Um, yeah, man, and just seeing all these people from from fantasy Twitter and the fantasy biz was a blast. Um, but yeah, man, like you come out of that and it's like the heart of draft season and we are getting fired. Like I know some people are doing the rookie drafts for Dynasty yeah. Leagues now. Like a lot of people put them off until August. I, they want to see how the things... smart people. That's what I call Develop, them. I guess. Yeah, everyone else gets... A lot of people get itchy and they want to do it right after the NFL draft. But a lot of people wait. So, um, yeah, you know, if someone was like, hey, you can update your rookie rankings. I'm like, oh, yeah, I should probably do that. I haven't done that in a while. Um, You're drafting but, now? Everyone drafted in May. What are we talking about? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But, uh, yeah, great time of year, man. We're, we're in the heart of preseason. Our home league drafts are coming up, a bunch of other drafts. I'm I'm geeked out, man. I'm really excited. Yeah, and I think next week we're going to be mainly talking about, uh, you know, making adjustments to our dynasty ranks and how the preseason has impacted and, you know, just kind of look at uh, some of the stuff going in before we, uh, you know, put this show to bed before the season starts here. But uh, Fitzy, when we're looking for sell high players, which is what we're discussing here today, um, is there a certain parameter that you look for? Are you like, hey, look, I'm selling high on players at their absolute peak because I know I can get the most value and everyone overrates them at that point. Is it, you know, sometimes a hype train thing? Is it dependent on position? Like what is like the first trait that you look at when you're looking to sell high someone? Is it just price and what they're going to get you back? No, I mean, that's kind of it, Boggs. Like guys who I think still have, I think their price right now is higher than it should be. Because we've talked about the age thing. I'm more of an ageist than you are in (laughs) Dynasty, right? And uh, like, I didn't want to just come to the table today with a bunch of guys who are like over 30 years old. Right. You know, like I don't, I don't need to tell people, oh, you know, Darren Waller is a sell in Dynasty. (laughs) <laughs> it's like he's he's valued this year and he's going to be 31 when the season starts. Like, no, I mean, some of these guys are actually younger. Some are actually young players. But for one reason or another, I think maybe their price right now is higher than it's going to be, oh, a year from now. That's kind of how I look at it, too. I feel like you kind of have to look at uh, players in your fantasy league, especially in your deep dynasty leagues, almost as stocks. You know what I mean? Like, um, so sometimes just a guy having a good preseason game or some huge highlights can raise his stock. Maybe, um, you know, the fact that, you know, this guy is on everyone's sleeper list or everyone's must have list or whatever it is. That means that their stock is probably at an all time high. So, you know, and look, when you're selling guys high, you're going to whiff 
on some of them. Sometimes you're going to go, oof, I can't believe I, so I sold that guy high because he had three more good seasons, whatever it is. You are going to miss. So there is a little danger in selling high on a guy because the reason they're high is usually because they're a pretty good player. You know, um, it's way less risky to go and buy a guy low like we were talking about last week. It's way less risky because the investment is way less. So uh, but if you think a guy is about to peter out or maybe he's past his prime or just the market holds too much value for him, it is a good time to sell him. And uh, we each have brought five to the table to sell. But before we get into it, I want to remind you guys our latest giveaway on this channel is a signed Jackson Smith and Jigba Seahawks jersey courtesy of betting pros. All you need to do to enter in to possibly win that is subscribe to Fantasy Pros YouTube channel right now. This one that you're watching and comment below on this video. And that's it. We will be announcing a winner here on the channel. So make sure to uh, turn those notifications on so you can be alerted when new episodes are up and to possibly claim your prize. So uh, check that out if you will. Fitz, you know, once again, age before beauty here. I'm going to let you uh, rattle off a couple running backs. I'll give you a couple running backs. We'll go by position here. So I think uh, your your running backs that you're selling might be a little higher than mine. So let's let's start with you here. All right. First of all, uh, Boggs, I got to encourage people to, uh, you know, comment on this video and, and get yourself eligible for that JSN jersey. Like, That's there's right. A chance, there's a chance he's the best Seattle <clears throat> wide receiver, like right off the bat. Do you agree with that or are you not buying that I mean, all? he's got a lot of talent. Uh, I'll say that. My fear for JSN is just staying on the field. But, you know, with college plays, you never know. Is it like, is it a business decision because they know that they're talented and they're going to the NFL or are they a guy that's going to possibly be injury prone, but I'm also really, I'm a really big DK Metcalf fan. So, and I, I don't think it. Tyler Lockett is dead yet. So I get speaking, it. Speaking of ageism right off the yeah, bat I mean, here, Fitzy, no, you like, know, dude, I, I think those guys are great, <laughs> but mm. like, I think JSN could also be great. Like this Seattle wide receiver room is incredible right now. It really and, is. It should I, make I, things I, easy for Gino, but I also, I question Gino a little bit. So yeah, you know. same, same here. He tailed off down the stretch last year, but man, like talk about a wide receiver group that can uplift a quarterback and for Bob, sure. I, I hear you on the, the injury thing. And like, it's kind of concerning that a soft tissue issue a hamstring basically it could be nothing though that that's that's right. the thing is it could business all decision be a business like you decision. said right yes. yeah so yeah he uh, knew he was going high in the draft yeah. so uh it, entirely possible but a dude who had a 1600 yard season in college sharing a field with chris olave and garrett wilson i like, know that's exciting man like you don't you don't do that if you're just you know some run-of-the-mill <laughs> guy like oh well the the good corners were covering those guys no man that's not how it works so all right back to back to my list here Boggs. um yeah i'm starting big saquon barkley and um a lot of people are going to be upset with me probably on this one so uh it, to, to get that JSN jersey, tell me what an idiot I am for wanting to sell Saquon Barkley high. Um, but but here's my case, Boggs. Um, the perception is that Saquon Barkley's 2022 season was a triumphant comeback from his injury-plagued seasons in 2020 and 2021. Yes, he did run for 1,300 yards last season and 10 touchdowns. I do see some warning signs, however. And... One is that Saquon has not been truly effective as a pass catcher since 2019. 
you know, that's a, that's now a long time ago. He averaged 5.9 yards per catch and 4.4 yards per target last year. Those are just bad numbers. And over the 13 games he played in 2021, he averaged 6.4 yards per catch, 4.6 yards per target, not that much better. Um, he has had two touchdown catches in his last 34 games, if you include the Giants' two postseason games last year. So, and then last year, Boggs, even on the rushing side of things, going great early in the season, started to taper off late last year. Over his first nine games of 2022, Saquon averaged 103.4 rushing yards per game and 4.7 yards per carry. Over his last seven regular season games, 54.4 rushing yards per game, 3.9 yards per carry. So we started to see his efficiency really tumble late in the year he's 26 and a half years old which even though it seems crazy that is past prime for an nfl running back 26 and a half i mean like you are uh you have gone over the bell curve uh as far as where running backs peak and i think you're still going to find a market for saquon in most dynasty leagues if you're the person holding him and if you're starting to feel nervous about some of the developing storm clouds that i just mentioned so, like, I think this is a good time to sell, and you might be able to get a first-rounder next year for him in a loaded 2024 draft. Now, Fitz, uh, I want to tell everyone, uh, you sent me your list a couple days ago, and what was my first, What was my comment when I saw your list? You want to fight, don't you, Fitz? Yeah, you just want to <laughs> fight, don't, don't you, Fitz? That, that's exactly what I said. So, look, um, the way I see it here with Saquon Fitzy is that he faced a lot of stacked boxes because he didn't have a lot of help on this team. I mean, who was the other playmaker? Daniel Jones was the other playmaker on this team, right? <clears throat> he he was the only guy he had the 700 rushing yards because everybody was worried about Saquon and he peeled off and uh, had some big chunk runs and everything. So I think by adding some talent, by adding speed in Jalen Hyatt, uh, two guys that could potentially push the middle of the defense back in Paris Campbell and Darren Waller, you know, guys that are going to be working from the slot or tight end in line, whatever. Um, you're going to give Saquon a little more space to work with. I think he's going to be better. Is it possible that, you know, look, he's had knee surgeries. He's had a lot of touches. Is he maybe slowing down also within the realm of possibility? I have to at least acknowledge that, that could be happening, but I think that this year, if we get, some plays from these playmakers that they brought in, I think it could be even better for Saquon. And he put up those numbers when everyone knew that the whole offense was going through him and he still had a pretty decent statistical season. So um, that's the way I see Saquon. That's why I said you clearly want to fight Fitz because you know, I love Saquon, but uh, I got, I got one for you. I got a running back here and let's go to Travis Etienne. And for me and Travis Etienne, he's 16 overall. He's RB7. And by the way, uh, just so everybody knows, right now in um, e total overall ECR, Saquon is 11. So he's still a first round pick and he's RB5. So, but going back to Travis Etienne, 16 overall RB7, my initial thought is that Etienne is just a better back than Tank Bigsby. But let's not forget the quote right after the Jags drafted Bigsby from Travis Etienne. And it goes, I feel like it keeps the wear and tear off my body. Um, I don't have to go and bang myself up each and every play. Press Taylor, the OC, also said there's 
quote, there's a possibility of keeping everyone fresh through the long run of the season. I mean, they're telling us what the story is here, right? So maybe we should listen to them, that this is going to be more of a split then probably we think it is going to be ETN getting everything or even Tank getting everything. I know, you know, people like our boy Debro are really in on Tank, and I understand that, but it feels like they're putting emphasis on keeping ETN healthy. Bigsby is a big downhill runner who could take immediate goal line work and short yardage work. ETN had 255 touches, which was 16th among running backs. Volume is king, and I think... And I worry about him keeping the volume for this team when they brought in Tank. And remember, Doug Peterson did not go out and draft Travis Etienne. This wasn't one of his guys coming in. He's great talent. I do just think he's a way better runner than Tank Bigsby. But it seems like they have a plan for him. And if we're all gung-ho on Etienne, I think we're ignoring what they're telling us. So I think it might be a good time to sell high on him. Yeah, I'm conflicted on Etienne. Boggs, um, you know, like I, I think he's a talented back. I, I really do. And he is, you know, still young. I, I think he has maybe his best years ahead of him. But um, I am kind of glad that I only have him on one of my 10 or so dynasty teams, I think. And um, it, the thing is, Boggs, you said it, it, it's not just volume, but it's the high value touches, the targets and the goal line carries. It seems like they want Jamichael Hasty to work in on passing downs, if, if not be almost exclusively the passing down back. And it seems like they might use Tank Bigsby in short yardage situations. So if ETN is not playing on passing downs and not getting goal line carries, what does that leave for him? Like as a between the 20s back, yeah, you still might get 15 touches a game, but like those are, are not high value touches. He's not scoring touchdowns or getting uh, passes and, and taking advantage of PPR scoring systems in Dynasty League. So, um, yeah, that is kind of problematic, and I, I do understand that. And I think he is a guy who's still got a lot of luster after what he did last year, uh, you know, coming off that, that lost rookie season and having right. a pretty good year. So um, I, I think he is a good choice for this category of, of a guy you can sell high. All right, let's hear who your number two RB is. Oh, this one depresses me, Boggs. It's Javante, <laughs> Javante Williams, who, um, you know, I was kind of trying to buy low when he was sharing work with Melvin Gordon. And For a sure. lot of the people who had shares of him were frustrated, but usually not so frustrated that they were willing to deal him because they figured eventually Gordon would be gone and Javante would become the lead back he deserved to be. But then, man, the injury, uh, not just a torn ACL, but also a torn MCL. Like, if it was just a torn ACL, I, I'd be a little more in. But, man, I mean, we saw what the multi-ligament knee injury did to J.K. Dobbins' career. Like, it, it's totally thrown it off the rails. And, you know, maybe he got it back together with a, a good end to the 2022 season. But, you know, we'll see if Dobbins still has the rosy future. And then there's the case of Saquon Barkley Boggs. I mean, he tore his ACL and then partially tore his meniscus and sprained his MCL in 2020. Really bad knee injury. And as I mentioned earlier, Barkley has still not 
shown us the same explosiveness he used to have in the passing game. So I'm a little worried about what Javante's future, or at least his immediate future, is going to look like. You know, and I, like yeah, the, that that loss of explosiveness for Barkley in the passing game, that's like you know, i.e., loss of explosiveness in the open field, and, and that's what I was so excited about with Javante. Like he was a really exciting guy to watch once he got to the open field, and he could truck guys. Like he was sure. kind of the total package. Um, you know, he's only 23. And there are all sorts of glowing reports about how well his recovery is going. Yeah, they're calling him like a medical miracle, which is, you know. Yeah. It, are, how much are you hyping him up because he's back? And how much of that do you actually believe? But, and that's tough. We, it's tough for us to for right. us to see, you know. Bugs, do you, we don't I mean, know. do you remember Cam Akers like tears his Achilles in training camp? And then all of a sudden it's like, whoa, he's back at the end of the regular season. Medical he, miracle, right. Medical miracle, right. And then, it, well, we're... You know, until late last Didn't year, we do we the were same still... stuff with J.K. Dobbins last year yeah, before the season started, so, too. So, yeah, I understand. That's what I'm saying, man. Use all the positive vibes about his recovery to maybe sell why you still can. Yeah, this one I hate less than Saquon. Uh, I'll say that. I my problem is, is I I feel like I want to sell Javante after he has a couple big games this season. But, uh, you know, to your point, if we may get to the regular season and just see that he is not ready. And then you're getting, you know, the stock plummets for him and you're getting nothing. So it's a tough time to know when to sell. I think, I think I'm I'm pretty stubborn when it comes to young players and young players. I like, so it would be hard for me to sell Javante, but if someone came around, like I think the right offer for most of these players, Fitzy, would be a first-round pick next year. You and I both agree that it looks from the outside looking in as of right now that this class in 2024 is going to be very, very deep. Uh, No coincidence because of that. A lot of guys got waivers and extensions because of COVID, and that is kind of starting to end in 2025. So, you know, the 2024 class is potentially deeper than we've ever had a class before because of all those waivers and things from the guys that came in in 2020. This is kind of their last year, um, you know, to, to get through it. Um, your thoughts, are you selling Saquon straight up for a one? Are you selling Javante for a one or because we've seen them do it and they've been good in the past? Are you asking for a little bit more than that? Oh no, I would take a, a, 2024 first for either of those guys and bugs. I don't think you can get a 2024 first for Javante. I take a 20. So? I think I'd take a 2025 first for him. Okay. You know, like I, I would kick that can two years down the road to position myself for a 2025 first. Yeah. I don't, I don't think, I don't think any guy is going to sell you a 2024 for anyone who knows what that class is shaping up to be. I don't think anyone's giving you that for Javante. Not coming off the injury. Pre-injury Javante, maybe, but not post-injury Javante. I think you can get it right now because a lot of people, like people that are in your league, but maybe they don't watch stuff like this. Maybe they aren't as hardcore as you are. I don't think they're looking that far down the road. I don't even think they're looking for next year's draft class. So I do think if they're missing a running back, and it's a possibility you could get a first next year for either one of those dudes. I think that is definitely a possibility. So I think if you're in a sharps league, you know, if your league mates are Fitz and I, maybe not, you know, but I think if someone is desperate for running back, they think that's the missing piece. 
they'll give up a first without issue. Yeah. So put put it this way, Boggs. If there's someone in your league who would <laughs> trade you a 2024 first for Javante, I want to do a lot of trading with that too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I agree with that. that with that sure. guy or gal, man, I, like that definitely want to target that person for future deals as well. And Javante right now, 37 overall. So that's a, you know, a first fourth round pick in a 12 man league in dynasty and uh, RB 15. So he's not a slouch uh, at all. Let's go a little bit further down the board to my second RB uh, 51 overall and RB 18 is Damian Pierce. I have absolutely zero doubt about Pierce's talent. The dude had the number one elusive rating from PFF among qualified running backs last year. And I think he's simply a better back than Singletary. But my question about Pierce is him handling a full workload. Pierce left college with 374 touches over four seasons. I mean, Josh Jacobs had that last year, more than that for the Raiders in one year. Um, he broke down after 250 touches last season when he was given the chance to be the bell cow back. And I think the Texans signing Singletary shows that they have a little worry about him as well. I mean, this guy's had over 200 touches in each of the last two years. He's never had a season in his four in Buffalo under 180 touches. So I think, you know, just looking at the tea leaves and knowing like, look, Pierce is a better back, but he always worked in a two-back system at Florida. And he had the chance to be the guy last year, and he broke down, and he missed uh, you know, the whole back half of the season. I think it was the final uh, five or six weeks he was just out. Um, I question whether he can be the guy to carry a full workload and handle 300 touches. And if he can't, then that means he's at best an RB2, which is where he's ranked right now, but he's an RB2 with youth now. The longer you hold him, the more he's an RB2 without youth, and he starts to slip down the board into RB3, RB4. So um, while I'll say I can squint and see a better future where he is an RB1, I just don't know if he's ever going to be a guy to be able to handle the workload. It's hard to know right now, but because of that and the signals that the Texans send us by bringing in a guy like Singletary, I think they also question that. So if the team is making moves in case of it, I think I might make moves uh, in case of it as well. And I think right now could be a pretty decent time to sell Damian Pierce. What do you think about him? Yeah, um, it, it depends what the market would uh, you know pay you for him, Boggs. Um, like we did talk about that. I guess I'm not surprised he didn't really hold up after the way he was like criminally underutilized uh, at Florida. And then he comes into the league and, and gets, you know, a lot of work early on and just sort of wore down, um, you know, and maybe he maybe he grows into a bigger workload. Maybe he doesn't, um, you know, and just becomes one of the many backs in the league who's like not quite up to workhorse level. Um, and so I like I, I feel like that's kind of how I'm viewing him and how a lot of people are viewing him as, as probably this guy who right now is an RB2 with, I don't know, maybe maybe low-end RB1, high-end RB2 upside. Um, so I guess when you're not totally expecting the sun, the moon, and the stars from this guy, um, you know, it depends, like, what, what you could get. Like, what's fair? I mean, um, if I shopped him around, I don't know. I mean, maybe someone's just offering me, like, Gabe Davis or something. You right, know, like I, that I would hold for, right. I um, think so. But if you're getting, like, you know, wide receiver that, like, Let's say Gabe Davis in a second, something like that. 
that uh, perk your ears up at all? Or oh yeah, I I think I'd sell them for that for sure. Right, I think that's probably you're probably looking at a combo deal for a guy like Pierce because people are buying Pierce with the expectation down the road, and you're selling him going. Yeah, I think we've kind of seen the best we're going to see. And maybe not. I mean, he's extremely talented running back. And it could just be, hey, look, he didn't know the rigors of the NFL season. Now he does. He trained appropriately, and he's good to go. That could be it. But there's also just something in the back of my head going, he didn't do it at Florida. They didn't ask him to do it at Florida. There could be a reason for it. And the Texans go and sign a running back that has had a bunch of carries as well. So if something does happen to Pierce, we know he can handle the workload. So that's kind of where I sit with Pierce is reading the tea leaves a little bit. Same thing with Tank Bigsby and Travis Etienne. I'm, I'm looking at what the teams are doing and trying to act accordingly a little bit. Uh, but let me tell you guys. Are you tired of those stale old old school fantasy football platforms? If so, it's time to upgrade your game with LeagueTycoon.com. If you play in a contract dynasty league or have ever thought about joining a contract league, then you will want to check out League Tycoon. League Tycoon has perfected the platform for fantasy football salary cap and contract leagues. Leagues are super easy to set up, and they offer a ton of configuration and management options. Contract leagues used to be a lot of work, which required you to manage spreadsheets, but League Tycoon has everything built in and automated for your league. And unlike the dated fantasy sites, League Tycoon has a modern mobile app that makes managing your team easy. Go to LeagueTycoon.com to get more information and download the app. If you use a promo code DynastyPros when creating a league uh, your first year, your first whole year will be absolutely free, FRWE. If you are ready for a challenging, immersive experience that revolutionizes the way that you play fantasy football, head over to LeagueTycoon.com. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is... And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hey, guys. This is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball. We do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair? Or to have hair plugs. I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay. So you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs. Yeah. Like, check out these hair plugs. I mean, don't just walk around, hey, tapping, you know, hey, <laughs> hey, stranger, I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you have to do that with everyone you meet? Some people try to act like they, uh, you know what I mean. Yeah. But I mean, like, like John Cena got it. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot. And now he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot? Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard, but. All right. So what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. Though. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, 
Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Fitzy, I'm going to give you one more, and then you have three wide receivers. I don't have any, and I'll, I'll, I'll tell you why in, in a minute. But um, you know, one more running back. We're going to go to your wide receivers, and I'll finish off with a couple tight ends here. Uh, but my last running back is Miles Sanders. He's 60 overall, RB21. And I know we're excited that Miles Sanders is a number one with Carolina this season, but I think he probably peaked last season. He had 279 touches in one of the best offenses in the league um, in Philly. And we've seen Frank Reich give a guy like Jonathan Taylor 370 plus touches, right? But I don't think Sanders, who did stay healthy all last season, but missed 11 games in the previous two, can withstand that much work with 279. I don't think he's going to just all of a sudden bump up to 370. 279 was the most by far he's ever had last year. Even if he gets a ton of carries, I do also see a stark difference in the efficiency of the Carolina offense with a new head coach and a rookie quarterback than I do with the NFC champions last season with Jalen Hurts running next to him, and he scored 11 touchdowns last year. I just think that we see Miles Sanders going to Carolina. A lot of people are excited about him, and for this year, I'm also a little bit excited uh, on him. I've invested in, in him in a one-year league, too, and maybe the better spot to trade him would be after this season if he does have a completely healthy year and handle a bunch of carries, but I don't know. You know, I just think that it's a possibility that Miles Sanders peaked last year. I think the concern about trading him is maybe not everyone has this mindset that a lot of people do that he's going to blow up. So maybe his stock isn't as high as I see it, but I see a guy that a lot of people are hyped on fits and I'm lukewarm on. Uh, I feel good about him for this season, but beyond that, I really don't know. So I'm, I'm at least listening to see what I can get for Miles Sanders right now. Yeah, I don't think there's too much for me to add here, Mr. Bogman. Um, the only thing I would, yeah, I mean, you're hoping someone is transfixed by the sexy numbers he put up in 2022, right? And we'll we'll give you maybe something more than what and the you potential would normally... for volume this year, right? That's really and the thing. There is the potential. That's the one thing. I mean, he was in a committee last year. Although you started to see them turn towards Kenneth Gainwell late in the season because Miles Sanders kind of sucks in the passing game. He's not a good blocker. He's not a good pass catcher. Um, so, yes, there's the the promise that maybe he is in less of a committee this year, but now we're hearing whispers that maybe Chuba Hubbard is going to have a bigger role than we're talking about. And, yes, it is. Like, there's no one the, – the Panthers' offensive line isn't going to be as good as the Eagles' offensive right. line. Although I will say uh, Panthers' offensive line coach James Campen is one of the better O-line coaches in the league. And, you know, they've got Icky at left tackle. They, they have the makings of a pretty good offensive line, like a sneaky good one. Um, you know, I've, I've 
kind of bet like the over on the win total for the Panthers. Mm -hmm. And like, I think I put something down on them winning the uh, NFC South. It, it wasn't real encouraging though, to be sitting in a hotel bar bogs in Canton, Ohio with Derek Brown watching and Thorne Eystrom watching the Jets just completely stomp the Panthers in the preseason. Yes, only a preseason game, but still, man, 27 nothing. Yeah, and first team aside, offense did not look good. I mean, the yeah, Jets I've, defense looked real good. I've, I've got nothing more to add about Miles Sanders' bogs, but one real quick story about Derek Brown. And, and mm -hmm. Debro is a really good DFS player. I'll say yeah. that about Derek Brown. Like, he wins money consistently <laughs> at DFS. He was playing preseason DFS, and he had one of the Jets' backup tight ends in his DFS lineup, three different Jets tight ends, not named Tyler Conklin, had touchdowns in that game. Not the one that Derek Brown started. He started. <laughs> he started Jeremy Ruckert, and then oh, like, uh, God, the guys who had touchdowns were like, I can't even think of them all. Zach Koontz, yeah, Zach Croft, Koontz, and I. For, I can't even think of the other dude's name. Some guy's going to be in selling insurance in a few weeks. So, right, um, right. That's hilarious. Yeah. Anyway, that was that was kind of funny. All right, uh, are we are we moving on to the receivers we're, here? We're moving to wideouts. I just really want to quickly point out, like, there is so much talent at wide receiver and I was looking at it and I'm trying to pick a wide receiver that I don't like. I think my problem is, is I like every wide receiver. So that's why I didn't have any on my sell high list. I think there's a lot of good ones. Um, but I'll also say this, the depth of wide receiver makes it easier to sell wide receivers also. So if I was going to pick wide receivers to sell, I probably would have been picking from the very top of the board and, and it's not a really smart thing to do in a dynasty league is sell guys like Jefferson and chase. And the reason I would do it is because I see wide receiver talent coming in in the next couple of years. And it's just always coming in. We saw this year was supposed to be kind of a down year for wide receivers. Everybody loves JSN now, you know, um, a lot of more people are in on Jordan Addison as uh, the season gets closer and more young guys. So there's a lot of talent coming in, so I'm a little intimidated to sell my wideouts or even tell people to sell wideouts, but uh, Fitz, braver, a braver and wiser man than I. So uh, let's hear your first wideout here. Yeah, and I get what you're saying about the, um, like, I, some of these guys on my sell list are guys who I think are, are good at football. Yeah. And, um, you know, but, um, like, I would argue with you on the depth thing. I think that's like a misconception, especially in redraft. Maybe there's more of a case for wide receiver depth in dynasty where you can point to guys being young and, and say there's still hope for them. But all right, I'll. I'll that's actually this, our biggest disagreement, I think, in fantasy. It is probably is, is. How we look at wideouts is probably yeah. the biggest difference. And, and this is a good lead in for my first guy. And it's Chris Godwin. And I will preface this by saying I think that Godwin is a very good football player, and I have benefited from having him on my fantasy teams on many occasions so far in his career. Um, that said, Godwin is 27 and a half, so he's, he's not young anymore. And I'm not fading him just because he's going from having a walk-in future Hall of Famer as his quarterback to having Baker Mayfield as his quarterback, but here's the important aspect of the quarterback change, Boggs. Brady led the NFL in pass attempts the last two seasons with more than 700 in each of those years. That's an average of more than 40 pass attempts per game each of those years. That is a lot of pass volume. And uh, in 2020, Brady's first year in Tampa, he was second in the league in pass attempts. 
And before Brady got there in 2019, Jameis Winston uh, led the NFL in pass attempts. So basically the last four years, the Buccaneers starting quarterback has either been first or second in the league in pass attempts. Um, Godwin has been getting a lot of targets, but the dirty little secret is that the actual target share is not that huge. It's, it's not like what we saw with, I don't know, Drake London last year uh, coming right Mike in. Mike Evans and, and still almost, Yeah. Yeah, my, that's it. Mike and Evans Leonard is really Fournette good at football. Got so many. Oh, my uh, God. Fournette. Yeah. Look, R- look, Fournette and Rashad White both caught more than 50 balls last the year. The most I mean, inefficient cool. running backs uh, dump offs, but we yeah. got them. Yeah. So uh, and, and there's more with Godwin Boggs. His average depth of target is shrinking. Like here are his ADOT numbers since 2019, 11.7, 10.4, 10.2, 7.3, 5.7 last year. So like there's this belief that Godwin is maybe going to be less damaged by the quarterback downgrade because he operates closer to the line of scrimmage. But like, I don't want to rely on a guy who's catching pass, whose average depth of target is like five or six yards. Like that's just not, you, you have to do heavy volume to, you know, have that guy be a vol- valuable fantasy asset. And we don't think the Buccaneers are going to, I don't think Baker Mayfield leads the league in pass attempts this year, Boggs, <laughs> you know, like it, it's not going to stay the way it has been. And uh, the other thing, dude, yards per catch since 2018, 11.3, last year. So last year he's checking in with like a tight ends yards per catch number. Um, So with the, what I hear there fits real quick is a guy that keeps getting five yards after the catch, no matter where he catches the ball. That that that's what I hear with that is no matter yeah. where you throw him the ball, he's getting those same five yards after the catch. Four four point one if we're being technical. Four, okay, here, four point one. Five point seven eight dot nine point eight yards per sure, catch. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, man, I just think with the a dot and average yards per catch numbers trending in the wrong direction, uh, he's going to need heavy target volume, and he's not going to get it anymore. So. Yeah, I mean, Godwin probably will be playing with a better quarterback next year. That's sort of the bright side if you're a Godwin investor. But by then, he's going to be 28 and a half, and, and now he's really not so young anymore. So that's that's why I think it's a good time to sell, because like I think most people still think Godwin is a pretty terrific football player, but reason to believe he's going to be productivity challenged uh, this coming year and maybe in the years ahead. Uh, look, and I... I completely agree with a lot of the stuff that you said. You can't, you don't go from Brady to Baker Mayfield and expect this guy to keep what he was doing. I, and I wholly and completely understand that. But what I will say is that you can't change this offense too much because you didn't change personnel enough to do that outside of just going from, like you said, best quarterback ever to a middle line average starter. If we're even being that nice to Baker Mayfield. Right. Uh, but you didn't trick, you didn't add a bunch to the run game. You didn't add a bunch, uh, to, uh, you know, to, to the offensive line to show that we're going to be a run grading team. Maybe they go to that. You can make that transition, but if you don't have the personnel to change, changing in the NFL is tough. And, I see a team that let Jameis Winston throw the ball a million times. So I don't know how much different 
we are going to be with Baker. I think Baker's going to have more pass attempts than people expect. And I think that is the strength of this team. I know a lot of people like Rashad White, not the biggest Rashad White fan. Um, I don't know that he can carry a bunch of, um, if he can carry a huge workload like some, some of these other guys do. And they don't have anybody else that can either. Uh, Sean Tucker is an un, undrafted free agent. Seems like he's the backup. Chase Edmonds is the guy fighting him. He is not a big heavy carry guy. Um, you know, no one, Keyshawn Vaughn is nothing to me. So like they just haven't adjusted this offense enough to make a huge change. So I still think they're going to pass the ball a lot, which makes me still interested in Chris Godwin because I believe in the talent. Like I said, throw him the ball a little deeper. He's going to get that same amount of yak. I feel like, and he offers a high floor. Even if they do ratchet it back a lot, I still think he offers a high floor, Chris Godwin. So I'm not against Chris Godwin that much. Uh, but look, if you're looking for these trades, if you want an idea of how cheap your favorite buy low targets are, sell high, how high your favorite sell high targets are, stop guessing and get instant analysis with our trade analyzer at fantasypros.com slash analyzer. Whether it's a two for one, three for two, or an even trade, the trade analyzer the trade analyzer has got your back. It's also perfect for dynasty leagues and supports trades with draft picks. The trade analyzer lets you see your league power ranking shift, how they shift before and after the trade, navigate your negotiations with confidence and head over to fantasypros.com slash analyzer to start evaluating your trade offers. Now, also, if you love the show and want to interact with us directly, then Pat and I will be answering questions each Week for premium subscribers on Fridays at 5 p.m. Eastern over on our Discord at fantasypros.com slash dynasty chat. I do have to offer an apology to those guys last week. Obviously, you couldn't make it fits, and I also couldn't make it because I had to fill in on the flagship. There was a problem uh, in recording, so we recorded that show again. They used a different video and audio form, so uh, the listeners got a different show on video with me but it had to take place at that time. But we will be back this week uh, for sure. So uh, please go and check that out. All right, Fitzy, who's your number two wideout you're looking to, to deal right now? Uh, Debo Samuel Boggs, and, and sort of he falls into the category like Godwin where he's not old, but he's getting a little older. And um, like I don't think he's the best wide receiver on his own team, quite frankly. Um, you know, and I'll, I'll give Debo credit. Like when he's got the ball at his hands, uh, there are a few wide receivers better after the catch than Debo. But um, from the time Christian McCaffrey arrived in San Francisco last year, post-trade with the Panthers. So uh, from week seven through the end of the 2022 regular season, Ayuk had a larger target share than Debo. And he also averaged 2.8 more PPR points per game than Debo. Um, so, and, and by all accounts, Ayuk has also been like the best player, not just the best wide receiver, the best player in 49ers training camp. Like the beat reporters are saying he is unguardable and, um, like Debo has provided some rushing value in recent years, especially a couple of years ago when he kind of went berserk with the rushing towards the end of the season. That's not happening as, as long as CMC and Elijah Mitchell both have reasonably healthy years. I yeah. Mean, yeah, you're probably going to get a few missed games uh, out of the two of those guys. But mm -hmm. like, as, as long as at least one of them is intact, I don't think Debo really moves the needle as a runner. You're not this pushing year. 70, 80 carries with Debo again. Not, not even close. So Yeah. So, I mean, like, it's just, I think Debo has like this name brand value 
but I think the actual value might not be that. And he's another he's another real low A dot guy. I mean, geez, he looks Chris Godwin makes Chris Godwin look like a deep threat box. <laughs> right, yeah. I mean, Debo's after McCaffrey got there, Debo's average depth of target was 3.5 yards. Uh, and a couple of years ago, it was under three for the entire season. It was like 2.8. So I yeah, mean, Debo like this does not run very good routes, right? No, he's well, the he's opposite a, he's of Brandon a gadget Ayuk. guy. He's yeah. a gadget guy. Run into the flat, get him the ball or run over the middle, you know, just like get him the ball and let him work his magic. Which is yeah. fine. Like he he does have some magic to work once he gets the ball in his hands. But like you're not counting on him to like beat press coverage and get right. open over the middle fifteen yards downfield. He's just not that kind of dude. You know who Debo reminds me of, uh, or this guy reminds me of Debo a little bit, is Antonio Gibson. Uh, I feel like they kind of have the same role, whereas, you know, Gibson was a wide receiver that moved to running back, and then Debo was kind of a wide receiver that uh, moved to running back to start. You know, they 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 both kind of are gadgety, as you said, but they're both very good with the ball in, in their hands as well. Um, but look, Christian McCaffrey coming into San Francisco eliminated a lot of what you needed Debo to do uh, because he's a high-volume guy and he's a short area guy. He's great with the ball in his hands. Like Christian McCaffrey and Debo are very similar as well, except for Christian runs uh, tighter routes. He's a better running back. He's more experienced. Like everything nods to Christian McCaffrey. So, you know, your your end zone threat is George Kittle. Your deep threat is Ayuk. So what's left for Debo? It, that that's really the thing is, um, you know, Debo just has to have some steam taken off because he's not going to be used like he was a couple of years ago. He's volume is king, and he does not have it anymore. So it's hard to argue against Debo moving down and being potentially a trade high. So I won't. This one I will not fight you on at all. I agree with you. It's probably about time to sell Debo if you haven't already. Um, but I will fight you on the next one. Go ahead and tell us who who your last guy is here. Yeah, Boggs. I mean, last week we were talking about with the uh, buy lows, like some of the guys were new names we hadn't really discussed, and some were playing the hits. This is a playing the hits, and uh, <laughs> you know that I was in on this guy last year, and I've I've done a heel turn uh, in in twenty twenty three, and it's George Pickens your guy from your Pittsburgh Steelers box. And I'm sure you were excited in preseason week one when he had a very nice catch and run touchdown. I uh, sent it to you. you. Know, <laughs> exactly. Um, look, this guy's definitely going to make some splashy plays. He did that last year as a rookie, uh, an absolute acrobat on contested catches. There's no question about it. Already one of the best contested catch artists in the league. Um, he averaged... 9.5 yards per target last year, which is actually a really good number. Um, undoubtedly, you sense the butt coming, Boggs, and, and you're not <laughs> wrong. It, it's that inability to earn targets, and maybe he gets better at that. Maybe he improves his route running, but the 15.3% target share last year is not very impressive. Didn't have more than eight targets in any game all season and didn't have more than six targets any game from week six on. Um, and as I mentioned in previous shows, Boggs also didn't fare especially well in, uh, separation. According to next gen stats, he was, uh, near the bottom of the league or in yardage after the catch, just two point yards, uh, per catch after the catch. So that was also near the bottom of the wide receiver rankings. I mean, those contested catches are fun Boggs, but I've, I've made this point. 
I think contested catches can be a symptom of not getting enough separation with your routes. And, and that's what I'm worried about, especially when he is lining up opposite a dude in Deontay Johnson, who's always open, who's one of the better route runners in the league and is drawing like sick target numbers every year. And we even saw it in the, the preseason week one, Boggs. The starters were on the field for what, nine snaps? Deontay Johnson had three catches in those nine snaps. Yeah. And, All right, and so go and fight me, man. Put the boxing gloves on. Let's go. Look, look here. here's the thing is that um, most NFL defenses are playing zone anymore. I think it's something around 65% zone versus 35% man. So the fact is George Pickens isn't going to be manned up on many plays. He is on some and in those, I will admit, yeah, he uh, struggles for separation, but that's not, this guy knows where to sit in the zone. He can get open against zone wide open college open against zone. And he's going to be a touchdown threat because of his contested catches. And a lot of that isn't going to matter when he's lined up in man, because it doesn't matter that many times who's on him. He's coming down with that football. It's like I said with him last year coming in a 50, 50 ball for George Pickens is a 75, 25 ball. Uh, so he is most likely coming down with it. And I think that, you know, another kind of issue you can see with Pickens is the offense that he works in with Matt Canada. It is as bland as milk toast. I mean, it is uh, very simple, very easy. We run a lot of the same stuff. It's boring. So once a new OC comes in in 2024 next year, when Matt Canada gets fired because it's all not inventive and he lets uh, Kenny start slinging the ball a little bit more, I think we're going to see more from everybody, uh, a more dynamic offense, at least downfield, push it downfield uh, than we will this year, unless Matt Canada decides to open it up and all signs and in every interview uh, that he's had say that they are going to stick with run heavy and, pass it deep when you get down, which is, you know, boring. So um, I just think the future is bright for Pickens, so I just would not be willing to sell him now. But to each his own, you know, it's uh, I we don't have to fight that bad. I We've heard your point before. We've heard my point before on George Pickens. This is definitely playing the hits. So I think Pickens is going to be better than expected. Fitz thinks a little less uh, than that. And, you know, we will walk away as gentlemen and not have to fight yes, this one. Yes. We'll shake hands I, I and agree add, to disagree. I mean, would you agree, Boggs, that the market is pretty, um, I don't know, enthusiastic about Pickens after his first year? And I don't and know like because I talk potential? to you too much, Fitz, and I know you're not high on him. So I think, uh, you know, in my own world a little bit, it feels like Pickens is down. But right now he is going off his ECR is uh, wide receiver 37, I believe. Uh, so yeah, wide receiver, oh, excuse me, wide receiver 35, which is a low end wide receiver three. So where do you have him? More of a low end wide receiver four? Like yeah, your first uh, bench guy, like injury no, guy, by no, week guy. I, I don't think I'm that far off ECR. I don't. I okay. don't have my rankings in front of me to be honest sure. with you, Boggs. But I think I, like maybe he's around. Uh, you know, also low end wide receiver. I'm honestly surprised. I, I would think like his in public dynasty leagues. I would think he goes before wide receiver 37. I'd be shocked if he didn't. He's 35 but, um, is where he's at. I have him at 30. So I have him like a little bit higher. Maybe you have him at 40, you know, somewhere in that neighborhood. So he's a wide receiver three to me. He's a wide receiver four to you. And he's a lower end wide receiver three to the market, which means if you're on your rankings, he's too high. And, and that is more than fair. And, and look, he's had injury problems. He's had off field issues as well. So like, you know, 
I, it's not hard to squint and see the downside on George Pickens. I will at least give you that. So, um, let's go to tight ends here. Fitz, I got a couple tight ends to end us out on. The first one I think is probably where I'm going to be getting my hate mail, right? Uh, and I'm going to say it's Kyle Pitts. And the reason I want to sell Kyle Pitts now is not because I don't think he's talented. I think he's extremely talented, but right now, he, his ECR is not just tight end one, but 14 overall, Fitzy. I mean, 14 overall for Kyle Pitts for a tight end in an offense that is run heavy and had Drake London with that lion's share of the offense. That's kind of dicey to me. Now, look, if Caleb Williams comes in and is running this team next year, then selling high might be a little goofy, right? But... I think the Falcons are too good of a team and Arthur Smith is too good of a coach for them to be picking one overall. You know, I think they're going to be uh, a little bit further back. Maybe you trade up and you can get a guy like Caleb, Caleb Williams. Maybe you sign a free agent. Maybe Kirk Cousins is their quarterback next year, whatever. You know what I mean? Like you could see, you can solve the problem of the bad quarterback play is what I'm saying. Uh, Desmond Ritter, they're going to give him a shot. I would not count on him at all this year. Uh, so maybe they expand this, but I think with the way they've shaped this offensive line, with the way they've invested in Bijan Robinson, right? Um, they went out and got Mac Hollins, who's one of the better blocking wide receivers in the NFL. Um, you know, you invest in some big tight ends too. I mean, I think this is a run-heavy team for the foreseeable future, as long as Arthur Smith is the head coach there. So, you know, you're going to have less targets and looks in the receiving game for London and Pitts. And with him going that high, 14 overall, I mean, you know, Brock Bowers, I would take over him right now if he was available in your league. He's going to be a tight end coming out of Georgia next year. And I mean, you might be able to trade Pitts right now, get a first round pick next year and take the better tight end and Brock Bowers. So for me, that coupled with the fact that I think that this tight end market is getting deeper and deeper and it's going to be harder to sell your top end tight ends next year. If, if all 12 guys in your league say, well, I've got a starter and a pretty decent backup. So I think the time to sell on Kyle Pitts is right now before um you know before this season starts and he loses a little bit of love when people realize man this team is really way more run heavy than even we thought um and Drake London is getting a lot of looks i just i think Kyle Pitts is very good but i don't think he should go in the first two rounds overall of a dynasty draft so if the market is hot i'm looking to sell what do you think about selling pitts right now fitzy yeah, I mean, it's a, a small pie, that passing game for Atlanta. But then again, London and Pitts are going to carve enormous slabs of that pie for themselves. Like so that, is Bijan, though. And Bijan. But, I mean, that's it. Then it's going to be, what, like, you know, Mac Hollins <laughs> right. fourth or something with, like, 48 targets. Right, um, Tyler Algier might have more targets than Mac Hollins. We'll yeah, see. exactly. Um, so I, I guess I would agree with the premise that Pitts can be seen as a, a sell high um, in, in the fact that I actually traded for him. And you, you don't see top young quarterbacks traded very often in a dynasty leagues bugs, but in ours, the fantasy pros invitational dynasty league, I was sitting on Justin Herbert and Trevor Lawrence and Kirk Cousins and I think uh, 
God, I forget who my fourth guy is, like Sam Howell or someone like that. So I actually had the luxury of trading one, and um, I traded Trevor Lawrence to Elliot Christ of Matthew Barry's Fantasy Life, and Kyle Pitts was one of the pieces I got in return. Not the only piece. Sure. Uh, there were some others, including, a, a, I forget which of the good young wide receivers, Garrett Wilson or someone else. But um, yeah, At that so, point, you're dealing from depth, though. That That's so, kind but, of different than market. Like, it certainly was appealing that, uh, you know, considering I've been like wandering the wilderness without a decent tight end for the last three <laughs> years in that league to like have this guy who I know who's is going to be my tight end, like an exclamation point at the position for the next 10 years. But I also disagree with the premise that he's a sell high when I know that he is going to have much better seasons ahead. I mean, Bugs, this is a guy who scored three touchdowns in his first two years in the league. And in his final year at Florida, he scored 12 touchdowns in eight games. Like, I mean, I, I think this guy's going to have like 10 touchdown seasons at some point, you know, eventually, like he's not going to be playing in Arthur Smith's college offense forever. Like eventually he's going to get paired with a modern NFL coach and play caller. And uh, like the numbers this guy could put up are insane because this dude is a physical freak. And I mean, if you watch this guy, I agree with like, that. No one in the league had a higher rate of off up. Uh, like uncatchable targets last year than Kyle. Yeah. Pitts. Look, I, I agree with that wholly and completely. He is a freak of an athlete for sure. He's a matchup nightmare. Absolutely. I just think that when you have Bijan and you have Drake London, Kyle Pitts comes third. And, and uh, that's, uh, he definitely is at least second behind Bijan. Uh, it's kind of like being behind Travis Kelsey in the Kansas city offense. It's like, you, there's there's stuff there's work there for you but kelsey is one Bijan is going to be one so for me um and tight end is a brutal position and like i said i think the market is getting flooded a little bit with some good tight ends as well so uh, i think kincaid's gonna be good i mean we love sam laporta luke musgrave is getting buzzed brock bowers jv and sanders are coming in next season right so that's like five guys right there and we have some old dudes like uh kelsey and andrews and kittle that are still on the market as well plus goddard is still out there uh jelani woods could make a big jump everybody loves chigaconquo so like if you're in a 12 team you know if you're deeper league yeah Pitts offers you a different you know it's different if you're in a 16 man 20 man like you're in a bigger league he offers you something better right but if you're in a standard 12 and it's getting a little flooded He's right now a second round pick. I'm not saying he's not a good tight end and he couldn't catch 10 touchdowns. I'm just saying the market is very high for him right now because he is young. So, and I don't see the offense changing unless they, you know, if they go one and 15, the whole offense changes as you know, a whole, wholly and completely because there's a new head coach. So, um, but I don't think they're bad enough to do that. They improve the defense enough. They're going to finish middle of the pack. They're probably going to have to sign a quarterback instead of draft one. So, uh, that that's kind of my looking from uh, 30,000 feet. My last guy here, Fitzy, last guy of the show, George Kittle. I hate to do it. And especially right now, he's 71 overall. So he's not up like Pitts is at 14. And I love Kittle. His finishes overall, I mean, second among tight ends in points per game last year in PPR leagues, fourth, third, second, and third. So since 2018, he has finished as no worse than tight end four overall. So the value is there for him, but he's also missed 15 games in that stretch. And when he isn't missing games, he's playing gimpy a lot. He's questionable a lot. 
That stuff drives me nuts. He has the adductor strain already this preseason, but there's still a little hype and a little buzz around him because of these great finishes and how well he played with Purdy down the stretch. So once again, because the market I feel like at tight end is expanding and because he's had such high finishes and there's a little bit of hype for him, I think this might be your last stop to get something significant for George Kittle before you move him because if he gets hurt again, now he's an old guy who gets hurt all the time who is surrounded by weapons better than him. Debo, Ayuk, Christian McCaffrey, Elijah Mitchell. These guys are all going to pass him the minute he starts to slow down because they're not slowing down. They're all still young. So are at least middle-aged. They're not old like, like Kittle is. So for me, I think this may be your last chance to sell high on a guy like Kittle. So this is my, uh, you know, my last stop of the train. I'm getting off the bus here. So uh, redraft, I still love him. I did move him down below Hawkinson. I had him above Hawkinson. I moved him one spot below because of this adductor strain already. I don't like going into the season with guys that are banged up. They say he's going to be fine for week one, but I don't know, man. George Kittle has been banged up a lot. What do you think about potentially selling him now? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you'll get much star power back in exchange for him, but you might be at the point where you're willing to trade him for just, you know, uh, to speculate on, on some young pieces, young, unproven guys, and, and maybe get a couple of those guys back for him to a team that's contending now and wants a top tight end. But I, I totally get it, Boggs. I mean, like, he does get hurt a lot, part of the reason why he just relishes physical contact, um, which is also why he's one of the best blocking tight ends in the league, which can be a problem because we see like these wildly oscillating target totals for him. One, one week he's getting 12 targets, the next week he's getting three. And it kind of has you pulling your hair out if you've got him in a managed league. Um, and yeah, like the touchdown totals have kind of been all over the place. Um, so I, I get the frustration. Really good football player, but the fantasy production is just sort of sporadic. He does get hurt a lot, um, you know, but but you do get the name brand value. So maybe you could get some some pieces you like in a deal. All right. Well, I think that is everything for us on the show today. Remember, you can follow us on the Twitter at Bogman Sports for myself, at Fitz underscore FF for Fitzy. And next week, like I said, we're going to be uh, checking in, uh, maybe talking a little bit of adjustments on our Dynasty overall list and talking about some of the big preseason action that has happened. We have the big week coming up here and, um, you know, take a look at some of the camp battles and all that good stuff. So that will be what we're doing next week. We will see you guys then. Take it easy, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Pros Dynasty Football Podcast. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Fantasy Pros and subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash fantasy pros. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. 
With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch, so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> I love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.